your fictional friends, and welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shireen. And welcome to the month of October, everyone. October. The best month of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Spooky season. Yes. The month of the year where everyone suddenly is like, I love spooky stuff, when for the rest of the year, all of you just disappear, vanish into the ether, and the rest of us who are spooky all year is sitting here like, oh. My whole decor is spooky in my library all year long. That's true. Yeah, I don't change anything, (laughs) really. I think there are like a few additions. I don't know if anybody else does this, but there are like additions that I make of like extra Halloween specific stuff at this time of year, but I don't, there's so much stuff that just stays all year that's like, like could be considered Halloween decor that I'm like, no, that's just my stuff. No, it's cool. Yeah. (laughs) That's my stuff. I have this discussion with my mother every year. Where she's like, why don't you put all of this away? Yeah, she's like, so are you going to put all this away? No. It's not Halloween stuff, mom. It's just my stuff. (laughs) It's just my my decor. This is my, (laughs) this is my aesthetic and this is the room. Both of us, I've noticed both of us have done this now. Both of us have uh, sort of determined at our, each of our individual places, a room where the spooky stuff goes yes. where you're like it's contained okay because I don't want to bother my fiance no. with it all year I'm like fine I'll put it in one fucking room but the whole place could look like this oh definitely like I'm slowly trying to move some in yeah. to like the other rooms it's the constant battle of scully in the bathroom I've got a big skull oh your big skull thing yeah, yeah. I want to keep it there all year round he wears a santa hat during the holiday yeah. season yeah I don't think there's anything wrong with that at no, all no, do I? yeah you have a, your mom is very upset about things like this she hates Halloween. Yeah. So <laughs> it doesn't help. She does not love that at all. She's always like very turned off by the whole thing. And meanwhile, we're excited about it. So we're really happy that we're here. We're really happy that it's a new month and that it's just the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> it's not December. This is Halloween. This yes, is there Halloween. you go. <laughs> the whole beginning half of that movie. Ignore the Christmas stuff. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so obviously for the month of October, we wanted to do something spooky and fun and not I guess super general because there's like a lot you can talk about but it's really hard sometimes to like it's almost harder to come up with topics I find when we don't have a specific theme yep than when we do so uh what we decided to do for the month of October is talk about gothic fiction which like if you know anything about it gothic fiction honestly falls very very well into this whole time of year everything is Everything is very gray toned, gray and blue toned. Mm, and black. <laughs> Everything is very haunted. <laughs> and that's fine. And everyone's just okay with it at this time of year. So totally. we figured why not be okay with it, even though like I'm okay with it all year. Absolutely. But, you know, I don't have kids. If I were moving somewhere and somebody was like, This is haunted, I'd be like, Okay. <laughs> Yay. Let's I hope go. they're friendly. <laughs> Casper. <laughs> and then that you? would be really fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to kick things off for the month of October and to kick things off for Gothic month or gothic literature month over here at fully booked we decided to talk about the adaptation of susan hill's novel the woman in black can't leave yet you should have left you should have gone when we told you to you said you have a son go home to him Um, her novel was originally released in 1983. 
uh, which I first, I always associated because it's period piece. I always associated it as being something older. Like I always assumed I that always, the, the novel. No, it's ni- 1983. Wow, <laughs> it's the year that the novel was I originally assume, released. Like, gothic fiction comes out in like what? When was the gothic period? Like what? 17, 18? No, I think sorry, later. 19. I'd say I'd say late 1800s late through 18. the like maybe mid 1910s or so. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm thinking Northanger Abbey. Yeah, yeah, yeah like those types of time. And like yeah. a little after that, when you yeah. got into the more sort of speculative fiction metaphysical written by a lot of women also Mm -hmm. more than people are aware of anyway so uh that's what we're talking about this week is the woman in black um like i said it was released in 2012 starring daniel radcliffe harry potter and still in his very much (laughs) in his um harry potter time in his life i would say because it was only a couple of years later i think it it was like almost around the time that maybe like the final films were coming out it must have been i don't know i haven't checked in a while but probably around that time and you can kind of tell so this is like a weird thing and this is like a weird side note that i have but daniel radcliffe is one of those people who like i know that a lot of people critiqued his portrayal of harry potter and there are parts of me that can understand that because he went through this period in these movies where, like, he was very sort of, like, his expressions didn't change very much. Like, his facial expressions yeah. didn't change very much. And he tended to be very stiff in a yeah. lot of what he was doing. Um, since he's finished Harry Potter and, I don't know, maybe been able to get away from, like, this massive fucking franchise that he was <laughs> yeah. stuck with for, like, 11 or 12 years, uh, he's a phenomenal actor. Everything that I see, I've seen him in since then, I adore. I love. You could make that comment about, like, Robert Pattinson. About child. Um, actors in Kristen general Stewart yeah. like yeah you know um what's her name Hermione um Emma Watson Emma Watson yeah. like you know a lot of these actors who were part of these massive franchises mm-hmm. with the, this pressure to deliver on characters that they would have never achieved perfection regardless no. of what they did because everybody had a different interpretation of what those characters also, would just be like think about trying to act in a franchise this big when you're like 12 years old just yeah, think no, about that yourself pressure. as well like the pressure that's there um and I think that he's come through it better Mm. really more than anything else um and i love him and everything that he's in now i think he's great and he seems like a really good human so he does seem like a good human love that um so (laughs) at the time that we're recording this the woman in black currently has a rating of 6.4 out of 10 on imdb and 66 percent on rotten tomatoes which like yeah yeah that's fair (laughs) yeah yeah um this is like okay this movie to me feels very very 2010s mm. in its its portrayal and stylization of the horror it yeah. relies on all the jump scares and yeah. all the music cues that go along with those jump yeah. scares that you're like i mean okay sure like they must have done about 10 crow jump scares in this movie yeah the crow jump scares <laughs> the bloody the woman in the window yeah. in the house and everything like that like they're just it's one of those it just it very much is of its time yeah. you don't like think about it i didn't think about it at all because i hadn't watched this i think probably since maybe like a year or two after it had originally come mm-hmm. out and i didn't think about it until maybe a half hour into the movie i started like you know like being like wow this is very much a movie that was released in 2012 and you can just feel it mm. based on that's it just how they're they're not like they've 
taken the set and made it very much like a period piece, but mm. nothing else is a period no. piece of it. The people don't really look like they fit the costumes no. that well. <laughs> no, they don't. Like they're like they tried like to the bare minimum. Well, it's for almost it. like a play, yes. right? Yeah. Like when you watch a play and like obviously the actors don't always look like they belong and you're like, okay, it's a play, you know, like they're in front it's, of me. Like I gotta yeah. like abandon my And we've talked thing? about this before yeah. and just the fact that it's easier when you're watching a stage production, I yeah. find, to kind of uh, distance yourself from that sensibility but when you're watching a movie it's harder because you're just you're watching the one action on screen the entire time so it's less immersive and you're just more likely to notice or pick up on these things and I find that that's the case yeah that's the case with this film and with a lot of films around this time anything that was being released within this period very mostly anyway within this period of like four or five years in like the beginning of the 2010s even mid-2000s I would say through like maybe 2005 to 2015 Everything that was like a period piece was really only a period piece in terms of decor. Yeah, they used a lot of fog machines. And set design. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And things like that. And those are where like those, like thank God that those teams existed yeah. and that they did such a wonderful job with what they were doing mm. um, in those films because the rest of it just feels like it falls flat a lot of the time. Well, that was kind of what I felt with this movie. Like I know that it was meant to be, you know, gothic era, gothic fiction, you know. And it just didn't feel like it hit the mark because whenever I watch, you know, gothic or I read gothic, yeah. there's something very mysterious going on as well. And it was like, definitely and missing the mystery. It, there was no mystery. Everything was really obvious of what was happening. That also, you know? But I feel like that's also indicative of the 2010s. There was something yeah. there where we liked very to be obvious. very obvious. There was no subtextual anything, no. particularly in mainstream films that were being released and mainstream genre films like horror films, science fiction, things like that that were mm. being released at that time. It was here, let me walk you through every little bitty bit of plot mm. point. Nothing is open for interpretation. There's no open-endedness to the story where like you can decide what's actually happened. No. It's right there. Here it is. Here's the story. There's nothing to interpret. There's nothing to make you think about yeah. at all. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Like, totally agree with you. And that's how I felt watching this movie. Like, the first scene, so I didn't remember what this movie was. Nope. Um, I put it on. My husband was like, oh, no, not this. And he just walked out the <laughs> the room and I was like what like normally he's down for this kind of movie and I was like what and like it's boring like um the first scene was interesting like I was like okay like I'm interested like Like, it's dark it's dark but I'm like okay like I want to know what's gonna happen in this movie because I couldn't remember that I had seen but that was kind of yeah but that's kind of it's true that like it's sort of it the cold open of the film kind of draws you in but then after that things kind of start to peter out a little bit oh okay I don't care okay never mind yeah so (laughs) yeah you know it's like I think it's 1889 three little girls um, in a tea this party. massive house are having a little tea party they're playing they hear something that only they seem to be able to hear or they're like summoned by something the three of them they must be like six or seven they walk to the windows and proceed to throw you know, trigger warning out. throw themselves out the uh, throw, throw themselves out of the window and die the screaming you yeah know? you hear the mom screaming and being like my baby it's, yeah um and then title card and then you get into the meat of it a little bit so daniel radcliffe plays a character named arthur kipps um arthur kipps or arthur kipp no kips, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> See, it was that boring that we didn't even Yeah. <laughs> he is uh, a young lawyer who lives in London, which again, very realistic because he's called basically with his firm. So his wife passed away about four years ago uh, during childbirth. He yeah. has a young son uh, named Joseph. And he 
is, you know, trying to make ends meet for them, but he's obviously struggled greatly since his wife passed away, which is really unfortunate. Um, and he's been given an assignment to go out to a small, very small village named um, Crithen Gifford, which is a really strange name for a town. Crithen Gifford. Gifford. I'm not lisping there. That's actually what it's called. There's a TH in there. <laughs> um, so he's been given an assignment to go out there because... Um, the, he needs to go to this really massive estate called Eel Marsh House because the widow who was living there named Alice, she passed away Mm -hmm. recently and he needs to go collect any additional documents, get all of the paperwork together so that her estate can be properly taken care of, divided up, whatever needs to be done with it. So he's given, um, it's very isolated, but he's given kind of instruction to go and take care of this. So he takes off. From London, again, the, all of that makes sense because when you you kind of see like in Crith and Gifford itself and in the village, you know, you've got like all the people who are working folk who are in these tiny little like apartments and stuff like that in town. And it's always when you get, it's always, that's always what it's like. The metropolis is where people go during like the year and stuff for like work or during certain times of the year for work and everything. But the rich folk have these massive estates. Well, that's what happened during the plague, right? Like in the great. So they all fled from the cities and then that kind of continued to be a thing. Where do you think the ideas of like summer houses come from and stuff? People take off and they go they would take off and they would leave the city for a period of time except the people who can't do that are people like Arthur who are working people who work all year long Mm -hmm. they don't have the kind of funds that you need for something like that um so he's taken off he gets there and basically he is looking for a man named Jerome who is, I think, I believe a lawyer. Is Jerome supposed to be a lawyer as well? I think so. Or he was in charge of, he was in charge of the estate for um, Eel Marsh House. Anyway, he arrives there and he's told. He's the executor of the will. Yeah, that's it. And he's told by Jerome and his wife, like, no, you don't need to be here. It's fine. Everything's like being taken care of, whatever. I'm going to send you right back to London. He's like, okay, no. (laughs) He's like, guys, like, I just got here. I need to go to the house I need to see what other documents there could be like not everything's in order and I need to do my job properly (laughs) um so he's he's basically being stopped by everybody at every turn kind of where everybody's like oh no don't go to the house don't go to the house don't go to the house and the only person who is helpful in any way shape or form is this man named Samuel Daly who he meets um on the train on the way from London out to the area out to Crith and Gifford in the first place who's a I guess, wealthy landowner in that mm. era because he's got this big-ass house mm. um, who's the only person who's kind of, like, nice to him and sort of normal. Everybody in this small town is very paranoid. But, like, this is the thing, right? Like, I found that in this, none of the characters were very memorable no. at all. And they're also very inconsequential to the story Pretty for much. the most part. It's just things to kind of vaguely help him. And that, like, includes Arthur himself, yeah, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just to move the story it's along. Just, yeah, that's and, it. it's just to move the story and, along. And, like... You know, like, even the mystery, and I'm using air quotes here, is not mysterious at all. Like, it's like, oh, everybody's paranoid. There's, like, something going on. But even yeah. they don't know what's going on. Like, no, there, and it's there's sort no of, concrete, like, proof until no, they just have Arthur a, a, starts experiencing Yeah, it. and he's the one who kind of figures out, like, what's going on. Which, yes, again, he's the main character, so it makes sense. But yeah. it's true. So he does get passage out to Eel Marsh House, which is, it's, so it's in the middle of, like, it's basically in the middle of, I don't know what it, like a... A marsh? A marsh, <laughs> I yeah. guess, yeah. And a marsh in which, like, the tide comes in yeah. and out. So the one road that exists to get there is literally flooded for a portion of the day while the tide is in. And 
mm. you have to wait till the tide goes out to leave. Mm. Which, like, all of that stuff and the house itself, creepy. Cool. Yep. Awesome. Yep. But there is so much atmosphere missing mm. from this film yeah. <laughs> that I was like, I like, a gothic atmosphere is spooky like legitimately like tension is built and you are uncomfortable when you're reading a story like this when you're watching a better made film (laughs) like this you know that's like giving you a good idea yeah but that's just I don't know I just find that that's what it that's kind of when they're well done it really creates like a really good amount of atmosphere for you as a reader or as a viewer but in something like this film it really they rely so much on like oh, but there are noises coming from another room because like that's pretty much all that happens to him mm. while he's there. There are noises mm-hmm. from somewhere. Yep. And then he goes outside and he sees that there's like someone in the window mm. there. And the first thing that he really sees that he gets, I guess, a good look at is this woman in like a big black dress and a big black veil standing yep. like in the at the in the back of the house there's like a cemetery back there right. um, with several gravestones and she's just standing there and he sees her and then she walks away and you're like... Okay, sure. There's always a creepy. There's always a creepy house and a creepy ghost woman yep. living in that fucking house. Because if it's not that, then how is it? Going? <laughs> then what is it? Then what is it? This is a totally different kind of story. This is a totally different genre. Why are we talking about it? No, it's true. But like, I would say like eighty percent of the time in gothic, like that's what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Like this house is haunted. And, and it's haunted by a really weird. mean old lady. Yeah. And like people are like in some cases when it gets kind of pushed a little bit, like everybody's inexplicably like unhinged. Yeah. And like we'll see that in our next episode about our next movie. But oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We'll see that a little later <laughs> in the month for sure. Um, so he's when he kind of has seen all of this stuff, he's like, OK, so this is what the fuck is going on? Like, why am I seeing, like, are, there are people in the house, but there shouldn't be people in the house. So he goes back into town and he goes to speak to the police about it. Mm. The cop's like, okay, no. Yeah. Um, Cause everybody's, everybody just knows there are ghosties in the house, basically in Eel Marsh house. Haunted. So they're like, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, this, these group, this group of children that he had seen earlier come in, the little girl ingested lie for some reason we don't know why though it's just because what basically what we're given to understand after is that any if anybody sees the woman in black which is what they call her um at the house bad things start to happen to the children right in the town and so this is something that seems to happen fairly regularly like it will happen periodically throughout the years since um, this woman's death right. several, several decades ago, basically. So this seems to be something that does recur, like reoccur on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So um, this little girl dies because she literally ate poison. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then very confusingly, immediately the townspeople blame Arthur, which like you're like, what? <laughs> like the parents and stuff are like, this is your fault. And I'm like, what? He tried to save her. But again, like going back to like gothic people being unhinged, like this is just like, like not a linear unhinged, you know, like no. it's just really random and you're like, you're trying to move the story along, but it's not really moving along the way you want it to. No. It's just a bit disappointing, you know? Yeah. So he does wind up staying with Samuel and his wife, Elizabeth. Elizabeth is also 
not mentally well. Mm. Um, their son, Shock. yeah. Well, uh. there's always there's always a crazy woman as well, which I don't always appreciate about uh. this. Anyway, whatever. Um, anyway, Elizabeth unfortunately and Samuel lost their son to drowning. I believe it was um, six years earlier or mm. something, like a, a good like a while back. Um, I believe actually at the same time as those three girls killed themselves at the beginning. Mm which 1889, because then we jump forward by, like, several years. So, right. yeah, something like that. Um, she's weird. <laughs> she's got two tiny dogs that she uses to replace her kid, I guess. And she <laughs> seems to, again, it's very unclear, she seems to have visions of some sort mm. where in she says that their son tries to communicate with them and she, like, tries oh, to, like, yes, draw right. with her knife on yes, the table right. and stuff. But I don't know. You, can't tell, you can't tell if she's really seeing this or if she's nuts. We don't know. I mean, she does do a pretty convincing job. She does. I'm like, maybe the lady's actually talking to her son. Like, let her draw on the table, it's you know? It's possible like, because this is a story where, like, the haunting isn't fake. Like, there's legitimately yeah. someone there. So it's hard to say. Right. Um, anyway, Arthur is still trying to figure all of this out and figure out, like, what's happened there. Um, and he finds, like, all these old, like, like he finds, like, old correspondences mm. between um, Alice, the widow who passed away recently, and her sister Jeanette. And Jeanette is writing these letters to her saying, like, you've taken my son Nathaniel away from me. You've taken him away. You won't let me see him mm. and everything. And it, because it's basically what it seems to have been is that Alice married Jeanette's husband after, I guess, Jeanette was considered, I guess she had like a mental breakdown right. or something. And she was considered like an unfit mother. Oh, so they got married and adopted Nathaniel officially themselves and would not let her see, see him, him at, after which point there was also a death certificate that's discovered that indicates that Nathaniel unfortunately drowned in the marsh on the that's property right. but they never found his body but they never recovered his body um when he go when Arthur returns to uh Jerome's house to try and find more information about this to get like a final kind of I guess story from someone uh he goes into the basement and for some fucking reason again it's the ghost thing so I guess you can just explain everything away but it's done in this really choppy really strange way where he goes there and Jerome and his wife's young daughter is in the basement mm. and she's like go away even mm. though she's like locked in the bottom of the basement and you're like why is she there how did she get there we don't know well, why is she locked down there um you know so he sends she tells him to go away and they anyway he and sam are like okay fine let's try to go back to the house but they can't because these guys like try to attack them basically like some of the townspeople are like oh you're doing this all of this is your fault and then they love their pitchforks in this one. Oh my god right the torches and, pitch, and the pitchforks. you know like the young girl who had eaten poison earlier yeah. who died her father again blames arthur for this and i'm like oh my god so after um after he has found all of these correspondences at the house, he goes outside and he sees a bunch of dead kids. Mm. And you're like, okay. Yeah, they um, keep coming back with the dead kids. Yeah, and yeah. then we learn around this time as well, on top of the correspondences. Okay, so yes, so there were correspondences that indicated that Nathaniel was taken away from Jeanette. Alice and whatever Jeanette's husband's name was uh, married and officially adopted Nathaniel wouldn't let her see him. He, he unfortunately after that, that's it died. He drowned on the marsh and then Jeanette killed herself mm. by hanging, which right. is something that you do see later. Um, and then she said that that's it where she basically said like, you know, like Alice, I will never forgive you and I'll always go after you, blah, 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 mm. blah. Eh. And he also, and that's it. Arthur kind of runs outside. There's a bunch of, 
that's it. Kids. The, the little ghost kids running around, and then <laughs> and then he kids. sees like what it would have, I guess, looked like when Jeanette killed herself. Right. Um, he goes back into town the next morning, and it turns out that again, you're like, what? Uh, Jerome's house is oh, yeah, on fire. fire. Yeah, got set on fire. Is on fire, and his he and his wife have been dragged outside, but of course their daughter is still inside, and yep. Arthur's like, oh God. So he goes running inside to try to save her, uh, goes down to the basement where he sees that the little girl, their daughter, with uh, the woman in black who's standing there who causes this little girl to light herself on fire, which oh. she does, and then she dies. Horrible. Um, and horrible. you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. There's always fires in these gothic stories. Oh, yeah, I know. There's yeah. a lot of stuff on fire. You yeah. gotta get what if you gotta get rid of the spooky yuki house by the end of it. I guess setting it on fire <laughs> is a good way to do that. Um, if you got a spooky yuki, you gotta fire it. Yeah. So this is where he, I guess this is where he kind of gets more clarity. Even though I just like gave it to people earlier when I was talking about this, but that you know when he goes back outside, of course, and he's not been able to save her. Uh, the mother is like fully distressed, of course, and she says she's like it's because you saw her. You saw the woman. When you see the woman, like, bad things happen, basically. And you're like, okay, so this is what's going on now. Fine. Yep. And she's the, and then it's Samuel's wife who informs Arthur that Jeanette is, in fact, the woman in black. She's the apparition that comes back periodically. And that seems to cause, basically, because her child was taken from her, she's like, I'm going to take everyone else's children yeah. as, like, a form of revenge. Which you're like, I don't think a mother would do that. But anyway. But that, like, this comes up a lot, I think, in these. And then, like, Daniel Radcliffe's character is like, okay, well, you know what? If that's the case, then let's try and get her son back and give him to her. Yes, because he's trying to... body was never found. No, because he's trying to break the curse, right? So he and Samuel are like, okay, let's go back to the marsh. I'm going to jump in there, and I will find the body, and I will reunite her Mm -hmm. with her son. And, like, you know, I will, like, you know, go and put him in the same grave as her, basically, where she's buried. And Mm -hmm. hopefully... That That's will help her, and that will be the end of it, basically. When, you, like, I the logic tracks for me there in this type of story. I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Cool. Um, they do that. He finds the body. They bring it up. He does bury Nathaniel with Jeanette, um, but she keeps on, there's like a, like an echoey voice in the house that's just like, I'm never going to forgive. I'm never going to forgive. And you're like, but you, <laughs> all right. But we did the thing. Yeah. Really. For real. Um, <laughs> saying that even, and, but you know, and of course he's like, okay, so everything seems to be fine now because everything kind of stops. Um, the next day. He goes to the train station because he's meant to be going back to London. He's like, I want to get the fuck out of here. So he wants to leave right away. And his the nanny and his son have come to meet him um, there. And he's like, okay, now we're oh, going to go yeah. right back to London. Like, can you just, like, go grab some tickets? Cool. He's speaking to Samuel. And, of course, his son, Joseph, wanders onto the train tracks because supposedly the woman in black lures him onto the train tracks. because yeah, she's there. He sees her. Because he sees her across and he starts climbing down. Um, Arthur notices this at the last moment before the train arrives. And, of course, they tried very, very vaguely to make it look like he saved him because he jumped onto the I, tracks, grabbed the kid. I genuinely then, thought that he had because yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, it's fine. It's one of those movies because it had been, like, so much that type of movie. True leading up to this and then i was like oh shit they actually died yeah that's it because yeah. like, also like you it seems like that for a moment where yeah. you're like oh did they try to like 
subvert expectations yeah. or whatever. He did save him or something. But then you're looking and Samuel and the nanny both look fucking horrified. Yeah. Um, and then that's it. After the train passes, or it seems like the train has just passed, um, Arthur seems to be standing there holding Joseph and he's like, okay, no, we're okay. But then he's looking around. It's much darker. There's nobody around and yeah. you can't see anyone. So then you kind of, and then turns around there's a woman in a white dress standing a little further away and the, Joseph goes well daddy who's that and he looks and he sees that it's his wife mm-hmm. Arthur's wife who passed away when she was giving birth to Joseph and he's like that's your mummy yeah. and I, you're like okay so they're they're dead they're dead so you're like okay and then they do this weirdly happy thing where he goes over and they basically reunite and walk off together yeah and then and then it like flicks back to the woman in black and like while the train is going past um Samuel oh, is yes. seeing all the children in the train and he sees the woman in black as well. So it's like, so they're doing that like, you know, thing like that they try and do in horror movies where they then zoom in on the woman in black and she like looks at the camera and then it goes black. And you're like, ah, and then <laughs> we cut to credits yeah. basically. But it was just, I was like, I was like, was the happy ending of this movie that him and the four-year-old baby died? Damn. I mean, like it was, it was a really like it was a good ending. In I mean, a way, I didn't, I didn't hate it because I was like, "Well, that's nice that we didn't get like a very Hollywood ending." Yeah, out of this, like it was nice in that way. But then at the same time, I thought the same thing that you did. I'm Ooh. like, so are we trying to say that the woman in black did him a favor? Yeah, like I don't like, know. It, is it because he reunited her with her son, so she's reuniting him and his son with his with, with his their mother, wife? like his mother? Like, is that what we're supposed to read into here? I don't know, but uh, or what, yeah, or was she just like, "No, fuck you. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm still gonna <laughs> I'm kill still all gonna the kids." Kill Kill everyone like I don't know I don't like know especially because especially because she didn't like <laughs> because she didn't um how do I put this because she didn't stop doing things like she still did this and so she's still around yeah. so I'm like okay so is she just gonna go back to killing everybody in the village <laughs> like I don't know well that's what I thought I'm like so <laughs> like so we're still killing kids yeah like, I don't know are we gonna take a break now for a while well, like supposedly I'm not sure. this movie has a sequel from like two years later which that's I, right I, which I, I haven't that watched when I was searching so, yeah. it was like women in black too I'm like oh god <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's it's just I know and that might have sounded like that I, I think we jumped back and forth a lot when we were talking about that but honestly like it's just it's it's just because it's quite boring and it doesn't give you the right kind of context at the right time Mm. so it winds up being this weird mishmash of things that you're like i don't know how to (laughs) what am i supposed to do with this i don't know what i'm supposed to feel about this like i'm not really sure like i came away from it being like huh (laughs) Uh, okay (laughs) that was a movie (laughs) that was a movie it was a movie it was a movie that was yeah. there's like my like one sentence review. It was a movie. Yeah, like the first scene was okay, the last scene was okay, but everything in between like was like meh. And it all kind of blends together after a while. Like yeah. all the townspeople are the same. Everything else is the same. And no, I couldn't tell you who the characters were in this movie, quite honestly. Yeah, I it's mean, hard to kind of know anything about yeah. them. Um, but yeah, that it is what it is. However. Aesthetically, obviously, and story-wise, yes, it is gothic, and I'm sure that Susan Hill's novel is a lot more interesting (laughs) than this movie was. I guarantee it's much more atmospheric, because I've heard really good things about it from people, so I guarantee that it's much more atmospheric, much more interesting, and you feel much more immersed in the world and the story itself. Absolutely. So, unsurprisingly. (laughs) As is Uh, normally the case. Yeah. So, have you guys seen The Woman in Black? Did you forget that it existed? Because we, we, we did. Until we were kind of, like, looking at options and ideas for movies to talk about this month. That's when we came across and we were like, oh, shit, that was a movie that was <laughs> that made. That was a movie. <laughs> See, once again, that's it was a movie. It was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
So you can let us know about that over on Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at Fully Booked CA. You can also check out our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash book was way better. And if you're still here with us, which I hope you are, uh, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening because it really helps us get the episodes out in front of more people. But until next week, guys, keep on reading. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.